Hello, Charles. Hello, hello. So, we're going to talk about Loki, the new Disney show, and part of Loki is, or most of Loki, or all of Loki, is about time travel, <laughs> um, yeah. which is a trope that we have experienced already now multiple times in uh, Marvel, mm. but even more so, plenty more times in films. And I'm just curious to you, Charles, what's your favorite iteration of time travel in cinematic history? Was there, a, are you like, you don't strike me as like a Terminator guy, um no no back to the future or looper what are we oh wow looper i haven't thought about looper in a while um no back to the future i i back to the future always just the the hype never quite got to me and terminator there seems to be a futility with the terminator because the franchise just won't end um but <laughs> <laughs> no it will not my favorite instance of time travel i want to say edge of tomorrow I was gonna say that too. I, I'm sorry. It's just, it's fun. I like the idea. The thing about time travel movies that always gets me, I love it once people figure it out and they start working with it. The confusion bit, I don't, I don't need that. I don't, I don't, no, 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 no. I like get me into the, all right, we got to figure this out. And that movie just has that in spades. Yeah. Like the best part of Groundhog Day is when he finally knows everything and can just go around and catch the kid falling out of the tree and uh knows everybody's backstory it's like a cool moment and so edge of tomorrow gets you there pretty quickly and but then also has aliens so it's great <laughs> yeah um well then let, let's talk some more about time travel uh, involving an asgardian god how about that let's go Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliamore, writer and culture critic at io9. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today, we're talking about the new Disney Plus series, Loki. Tom Hiddleston is back as the Asgardian God of Mischief, and he's brought a few new friends along the way in Disney Plus's new Loki series. This first episode was a really wild introduction to a bunch of new lore that's probably going to end up shaping the MCU's future, and we are going to dive in with an in-depth discussion. But first, we're rolling into Cannon Fodder, our quick breakdown of a couple of new interesting news stories that's caught our attention this week. Yeah, we try to keep cannon fodder like uh, minimal and short, and we will this week. But there's just a lot of a lot of like little bits of news that are happening this week that we want to just kind of pepper out there, and maybe we can just yeah. Kinda... We're in the middle of Netflix's Geeked Week, where they're announcing just a bunch of new things that are coming out. And once one studio starts to announce things, all the others are like, "Oh, but don't forget about us. We're here with new projects as well." And there's us just too, us a... too. <laughs> there's just a lot going on that feels. And like... then E3 is happening this week as well. And also E3. So we are just going to go real quick through a bunch of interesting things. All right. We can do this rapid fire style. Witcher season two teaser was dropped, I think, this morning. Yes. Uh, are we excited about Witcher season two, Charles? Um, I never felt the need to toss a coin to your <laughs> Witcher. Um, uh, I don't I personally don't have a Witcher. So, you know, my coins have stayed firmly in my purse. But gotcha. Um, I do understand. I understand what the hype is about, and I am very excited to see what this like what this new season is going to be. By the end of the first season, I felt like I had just started to get enough of an understanding of this world, not really having much of a grasp of the games. I haven't played them. Yeah, um, facts. So now, I'm facts. Like, okay, cool. So now I, I get I get what's going on and who's who and what's what. Now I'm really interested to see a bit more about like um how these characters lives intersect um yeah. i'm interested to see like a larger role for siri you know because she is yeah. this, this chosen girl who's very special and that's like okay cool okay like i want to see more yeah I, i'm i'm there with you uh i think first half of the first season was lost on me and then second half i was like oh i, I like this too bad it first half of the season it took a while um <laughs> I, it really, uh, it, the whole, my attention was carried by the fact that I like Henry Cavill and I was like, all right, I'm going to do this for Henry, but I'm not enjoying this. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. But uh, let's talk some more uh, dark gaming stuff because Elden Ring also released a trailer for it. Finally, the George R.R. Martin uh, project from From Software, the guys who make Dark Souls. Uh, Charles, you're not a Dark Souls fan. I'm not a Dark Souls fan, but Dark Souls is just like this presence that is <laughs> extant on the internet. You can't escape Dark Souls. You you really can't. And um, when this you know when this first look at Elden Ring dropped, 
um, you know, the, the nerdy gaming internet shuddered collectively in ecstasy and excitement. Um, and you know, it, it, from <laughs> looking at the trailer, it does have a very dark souls meets game of Thrones vibe. Sure. Um, and I think that obviously the big draw here is, Oh, look, um, a fully realized George R. R. Martin story that we can consume and get like lost in. Um, I guess what I'm really sort of excited to see is what all that means though, for this, you know, like George R. R. Martin as a storyteller has always been great at building these immersive, expansive worlds that you're really meant to become emotionally invested in. Yeah. Um, and does really well through, you know, his books and their adaptations. But I'm I'm curious, I'm not sure, um, how that's going to translate to the gaming medium. How it translates is it means it's further confirming that none of you nerds are ever gonna get your final book or final two books or whatever of the series. <laughs> George is now a game developer and you're all screwed. Uh, it's just, just make up your own ending at this point. Just, just fanfic <laughs> it. Uh, She-Hulk has cast She-Hulk. Uh, Titania uh, in Jamila Jamil. Um, and uh, I'm excited about this show. Uh, I, I, I think it's such a fun character to mess around with She-Hulk. It's Hulk who's a lawyer. It's fantastic. Um, I mean, Jennifer is so much more than just like green lady Hulk who was a lawyer. I mean, she is all of that. But like those words, the sum of their parts mean so much more than they do individually. It's 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 in, like I when I read the headline about Jamila Jamil's casting, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, she is. makes sense. <laughs> and it's it's I'm, I'm i'm very curious about what the tone of she hulk is going to be right something i think that we're going to get into um with loki is that loki feels a lot like a return to um serious marvel um in a way that was uh, kind of the case with the falcon the winter soldier it definitely took itself seriously but loki feels very much like here are things that are going to have huge import for the future and she hulk i think has the potential to straddle multiple gaps right like it can be yeah it could be a, a lawyer procedural i doubt that it will be i'm sure there will be no. elements of that but i do think that there is definitely the potential for some really quality comedic elements especially with jamila jamil joining the cast yo jessica jones was actually good uh and part of uh, that yeah. <laughs> part of that was uh was strong casting and that it wasn't just dependent upon you know uh jessica jones being you know a private eye it was like it went beyond that and instead of like are you, are you about, trying like, to are you trying to will a jessica jones cameo into she hulk no i'm saying that you can do that <laughs> like there's the, like she hulk can accomplish that it's been shown that it can be done really well and i i wish that they i i wish that they will do it with uh, that show because i think it could be amazing um since they're already making good casting choices yeah um uh real quick before we head out on cannon fodder one last thing i want to talk about there is a lord of the rings anime prequel that was also part of geeks geek geek whatever the netflix thing was um and everything gets an anime so lord of the rings gets an anime all right do we do we like a lord of the rings anime i mean <laughs> i mean sure i mean we're talking about the lord of the rings the war of the rohirrim yeah. um, which is a prequel of sorts digging into the life of the king of rohan um yeah um featured very largely in the peter jackson films and this new anime inspired film is going to not tie directly into the events of jackson's film but is meant to be um, what the studio has described as a companion piece right that's just meant to sort of flesh out the larger lore of this world i think conceptually sure right like this can work we all love anime um i think a lot of the there's oftentimes um an instinctive response to sort of like sniff at um like anime movies uh because um uh, people just sort of assume that all anime is the same and it's not it right? is like, not it, it it truly is just like a series of uh, aesthetic decisions that are that go into the storytelling process and it doesn't really it doesn't always have bearing on what the quality of the story is um yeah a lot like the worlds that tolkien builds out like i mean a lot like the worlds um that martin builds out tolkien's worlds are huge you know and just sort of um, these expansive places that you can definitely build stories around and I think this new movie is meant to be about Helm Hammerhand, uh, the king of Rohan specifically, right? And, you know, he's an important figure in the Lord of the Rings lore. I think that this is definitely something that is going to appeal to Lord of the Rings fans who are hungry for that content. But for casual, you know, consumers, I don't know, you know, because this is sort of like, hey, what if you sat down and listened to a story that Gandalf told you about a war a few hundred years ago? And it's like, okay sure maybe it could be great or it could be you know <laughs> I, i'm i'm happy 
that it's going to be a film because mm, as opposed I, to a series yeah yeah i because I, I i look forward to like i was like okay lord of the rings animate that sounds fun oh i only have to sit down and you have to keep my attention for like maybe a couple of hours fantastic Fantastic. Right, 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 right. I, I am all here for that. I just don't have the time anymore to add too many more series um, onto my plate. And so when it's like another anime series, I'm like, yeah, there's like there's like six anime series that I want to watch, but I just don't have the time to do. And so when you say it's a film, I'm like, oh, thank Jesus, um, I, I can, I can just, I just go to the movie theater and enjoy it. It's interesting that like this is coming out, um, and I think one of the things that is, it's definitely going to be compared to Amazon's Lord of the Rings series, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, a whole thing, but. The thing that immediately came to mind, weirdly, was um, the new House of Targaryen series that's coming to HBO. And it's like, all right, we were meant to be invested in these series because of the connections that they have to Daenerys and her dragons. You know, the thing that was one of the more fascinating elements of Game of Thrones. And I just don't know. I think the big question is, is the House of Targaryen really that interesting? Or were they just a bunch of blonde people sleeping with their family members to the point that the family fell apart? Who knows? Um, <laughs> I think I don't the know. Movie, I think to your point, the movie route definitely sort of avoids some of those issues by having to keep the the story lean and tight. Talk about something that is uh, lean and tight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Let's talk about Tom Hiddleston. Let's go. Let's go talk about Loki. <laughs> Did you like that? Did you like that? That was, smooth. that was that was that was smooth. That was smooth. Okay. So Loki has come out. And I want to I want to start off with a, with a discussion between you, I, you and I mm. about let's set the let's set the record straight because mm. we're talking about multiverses and we're going to be talking about like time travel and there's a yeah. difference between those two. The, I'm glad you brought this up because in, even in the weeks leading up to Loki's premiere, you could feel that there was a different sort of. Um, frenzied excitement coming from the fans who are buzzing about it um yes. and it was frenzied buzz that <laughs> you could almost tell was going to end up fixating on weird specifics um like the conflation of timelines and multiverses right yes. something that this show tries to explain are different things and it's important to understand the difference between them but you were saying what was the question you were going to ask i was just, I was just gonna say that when we're discussing about all this stuff don't get timeline and timeline variations in different kinds of timelines mixed up with all the synchronous uh uh multiverses the the different <laughs> uh uh universes that are happening um elsewhere the the timeline is uh, is that it's everything happening at the same time uh, uh it, you know going off into different uh versions of themselves and the multiverse is uh is is it's own version of the universe that is separate from time um it's 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 complicated (laughs) let's start with an explanation of the show so this first episode of loki we are introduced to you know that loki that guy we know the guy the guy from the films thor's brother likes to stab likes to do crime um specifically we are brought back to that moment in 2012 featured in avengers endgame um whereas the avengers are in the past seeking the infinity stones that have been destroyed in their present um iron man and ant-man fumble the tesseract uh they fumble the ball uh one of the most important balls in all of reality and it ends up scooting over to loki who at the time was imprisoned you know he was locked up and they were gonna you know take him away as was supposed to happen in that timeline um and um but in the film he grabs the tesseract and poof goes away and the film is just like huh okay and they just go back further in the timeline to find another tesseract um which many people thought was a huge glaring plot hole but you know level-headed people understood ah that's foreshadowing for something that's going to happen in whatever thing loki pops up next and this first episode i think pretty quickly i think immediately fills us in that loki grabs a tesseract um and then ends up in the desert ends up in the mountains in the desert and um is where he is not meant to be um causing this event that puts him on the radar of the tva the time variance authority who are presented as this um antagonistic force in this first episode you know they're time cops they're time cops and like oh no you have dipped out of the time stream in a way you were not supposed to and they drag him to time jail where this first episode really sort of all begins and we are given this 
complicated explanation as to how all of the messiness associated with the timeline um, that we understand is a part of a much larger grand plan that the Time Variance Authority has been maintaining this entire time. Yeah, and 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 the, you know, just like in a uh, what was the second Infinity Endgame, just like an Endgame, hmm. you know, you 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 bring in time travel and that kind of stuff into a story like Loki. Mm. And you immediately open up a bag of worms of, yeah. you know, people complaining about certain things. One big bag of worms that happened in this episode. Uh, we won't go into major spoilers of the episode, mm. but um, are you okay with that, Charles? Yeah, I'm fine. I don't think we, I, I think that the, the interesting thing, it's less about the specific plot details and sort of what Loki is doing for the future of, you know, the franchise. Yeah. I, I th- yeah, I think we can talk about the show without uh, spoiling things, uh, but it, it is that you know people were upset when certain things that when you're talking about like um protecting a certain uh you know prime timeline mm. that there's like you know they're they're talking about like uh, uh these these universal creatures that are that have these abilities to to maintain the timeline and reality stones show up and it sh- and it, and and the, it turns out reality stones are a thing that exist uh in you know multiple variations of themselves but uh, in the world that we're living in with Loki, they they don't have any power. And people were upset that the Finney Stones were so blasé, like they were called paperweights. What you're, yeah, what, what John's getting at, um, while once Loki is sort of brought into the TVA, um, there is a really sort of uh, sing, literally sing-songy, cute explanation as to how as complicated as the multiverse, as we've understood it um, up to the point in Endgame is, um, it is all part of the TVA's plan as to how things are supposed to be maintained. Um, the destruction of the Infinity Stones supposed to happen. Uh, Steve Rogers turning old and, you know, just sort of looking like Joe Biden. That's all supposed to happen. Uh, <laughs> presumably every weird thing, everything that Loki has ever done, he learns, um, is meant sort of to happen. And He's supposed of, to die. Correct. And part of uh, part of. This revelation comes um, by way of um, a revisiting of the Infinity Stones in this first episode in a way that um, could be interpreted as the show sort of stubbing its nose at what came before it in the MCU. Um, But I think that what the show uh, with this first episode is doing and what uh, Loki as a series is doing is not really sort of elevating or nerfing any one particular part of the MCU canon as it's been established, (laughs) but really sort of encouraging fans to broaden their minds as to how we perceive, you know, the, the timeline. Um, There oftentimes we are, goodness, before I even get into this, we are on the verge of a bunch of multiverses um, popping up in pop culture, right? Um, Both in Marvel and in DC's movies. Uh, For the sake of this conversation, we'll keep the conversation to Marvel. Um, There's been a lot of rumblings as to what the multiverse of madness exactly is and what it's going to be about. How all of these spider people are supposed to show up in... um, the next Spider-Man movie. And some of what Loki is doing isn't necessarily setting anything up, right? Like, oh, here's how the multiverse is going to go mad, although there is a little bit of that. Um, I think that what the show is actually trying to do is bring people or make people more accustomed to the idea of, um, well, variation, right? It's it's part of the show, literally. Um, This idea that all right, you have, you know, you've made it to phase four of Marvel, right? You are so accustomed to seeing these people. Try to use your peripheral understanding of these people to create space for alternate versions of them that can coexist within the same story that's trying to do something that's a little more narratively complicated. Um, And in Loki, some of that narrative complication is like, Lori, world building, what's going on with the multiverse. Um, But the really, some of the, I think that something that's really grabbed people here is that, um, uh, that complication is coming for Loki as an individual character, right? We started this off talking, you know, joking about like, oh yeah, like Loki's hot, right? There's a whole joke in this first episode where, you know, he's, he's strip searched by the prison. Um, this is a prison show. It's a cop show. It's very much that. Um, but in this, um, in this Loki goes to jail show, um, there is a deeper kind of character exploration going, um, into like, well, what makes Loki do all of these things, right? Once mm. the show establishes that so much of what Loki is doing is essentially predestined, it's like, well, just because something is predestined doesn't mean that it doesn't have significance, right? And 
what I think the biggest challenge Loki faces in this first episode is trying to come to grips with what that significance is, right? If you know that your whole life has been planned, all right, but like, well, what were you, what were you actually trying to do? Yeah, they, uh, the, uh, Owen Wilson's character, Mobius, uh, who's, you know, big main character of the show, he really does challenge these uh, grandiose, you know, uh, expectations that Loki had with mm. his life with uh, really pointing out, you know, the finite futility of his plans mm. of like, you know, like, well, what, why were you being the way you were Loki? And he obviously gets all blustery and is just like, you know, I'm, I am the rightful King of Asgard and I'm the one who should be ruling Midgard. And I love how you can like, you can make this happen with the very, uh, uh, chill nonchalant way that Owen Wilson can deliver lines where he's just like, well, then what, what do you do? And it's it's great because it does pose these these philosophical questions to these uh, like a character like Loki, who's this big old villainous character. And it really puts them in a position of like, well, what do you is, is subjugation what it is that that fulfills you is 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 just being in charge what fulfills you. And he's really challenging these things that Loki thinks that he's supposed to do with like, well, why do you think you're supposed to do these things? And so within this show that is about an exploration of you know, time travel in the multiverse and that kind of thing. We also get this really uh, deep character study um, within the walls of the show that, uh, I don't know, I think Tom Hiddleston did a good job of portraying the struggles of Loki's mind trying to rationalize these actions, you know, um, but falling short. Yeah, I mean, as much as like, you know, the the sort of buzzy things about the show are about the MCU's future, I was coming into this really interested in seeing what kind of work the show would do to uh, sort of rehab Loki in the same way that Ragnarok rehabbed Thor. You know, it really was sort of like this expansion and redefinition of the mm. character that set him up on a new pedestal to just be a more active and interesting presence in the MCU, right? Right. And obviously this couldn't be the exact same thing, but there are elements of it there, right? Like they, they both end up being captured by someone and that captivity forces them to really sort of reflect about the grandiosity of their godhood. It means like, well, what do you, what do, look at you now, little god, you're locked up. Yeah, I mean, and and the show had its work uh, uh, ahead of it because the the you know the, everybody knows which Loki we're talking about here, which is the Loki that just got caught trying to take over New York, who has not gone through all of the development that we see in the subsequent films. Yeah, so they needed to do that. They needed to get that to we could, where we get to the point where we were at you know end of Ragnarok Loki without getting all the way through to end of Ragnarok. Oh, see, I, I, no, I interpreted the episode differently. I don't necessarily think that he's gotten to the same emotional space No, no, at no. All. I meant like get him away from, get him far enough away from the Loki at the end of Avengers who was mm. just straight up villain trying to literally like, he, you know, like, like they even showed in the episode of like the scene where he pulled that man's eye out, you know, um, and stuff like, and, and get to the point where like, this can be a character that we're not just rooting on another villain. Like we're, we're, they kind of like show some layers of his character and, mm. you know, even has moments where he breaks down and is a bit honest. If Loki can be honest. See, I still think though, that even though this show is doing a lot of work to show us more nuance to who Loki is, I think that I've still, I, in my mind, he's still very much just 2012 Loki. And though he has shown a level of like emotional complexity that we hadn't seen from that version of him, he is still the eye gouger. Right. And right. the, the, you know, the, the pensiveness that we're seeing is a pensiveness that doesn't really speak to any actual evolution of the self, but more sort of like, Oh, you just saw you died and you just got told that you weren't shit. So right. what are you going to do? I think that, but I think that that's such an interesting inversion of the boisterous coming from down on high that we're so used to seeing Loki doing. And it was really great to see Tom Hiddleston being able to embody that, right? Because as much as this is a, oh, we're seeing Loki growing, it's also just fun to see the actors doing different things. It's not so drastically different as what we were seeing in WandaVision, where they were just, you know, playing parodies of other kinds of characters, but we're seeing a kind of, we're seeing a more sustained kind of pensiveness for Loki that we really only got to see in like flashes towards the end of Ragnarok, you know? Um, 
And I think that like that's going to, I think it's going to, I, I hope rather that it's going to make him a more interesting villain. I'm very, con- not concerned. I really don't want this show to come to end with it being like, and see, that's why you should support Loki. Like, don't vote Loki. Mm-hmm. No, Loki is still a murderer, right? He's still a murderer and a criminal of the kind that his actions can't really be excused just by saying, oh, well, he was sad. Like, no, 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 no. Um, and that's something that I, I do think that we get. Um, we get some of that in this first episode from, um, from the TVA, um, from the characters uh, portrayed by Wumi Mosaku and Gugu Mbatha Raw. Um, the, I'm not sure if you would call her a prison guard exactly. Um, yeah, the woman that's sort of the warden. Uh, yeah, and the judge who oversees all of um, all of the TVA's uh, prisoners being processed um, for all of the, the 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 sentimental, emotional, like oh, Loki is Loki's complicated. You know, they are very much there, and they should be like, yeah, but also kill. You know, also did a lot of things. You know, that you may recall from <laughs> the Thor movies that you know would be kind of morally reprehensible and perhaps are not necessarily timeline threatening things, but things that one might need to pay penance for. Um, and I'm hoping that that's going to sort of be a constant like counter in the show. Yeah. Loki is just an interesting character to focus on a lot. And I think that comes from his unpredictability and and that's constantly explored even in the comics. He's, he's a comic character that's been around since forever. Um, but while, a lot of his uh, old history can be defined as him just being that uh, the mischievous villain. Um, it really was like in, in like the the more recent uh, era of Thor comics and Loki comics that they they really played around with the idea of the unpredictability of Loki. Is he truly just the one who wants to bring about the end of all things with Ragnarok? Can he actually be? A brother to Thor? Can he actually be a son? Can can he be a hero? Will he always go? Will he always go back to his ways? Will he always be mischief? Um, there's even like a comic that uh, he has a, a revelation where he's like, well, maybe I'm less the god of lies and mischief, and instead lies can, in their own way, be a story, and you can change the story. And mm. so he even like starts calling himself the god of stories. Um, and so with that, I want that to be part of this show as well. So when I see Loki in this episode showing some, uh, you know, fragility and, and transparency and that kind of thing, there's always the part of me that's like, well, is this the truth? You can't, you don't know if it's the truth. And they got to explore that a little bit with the, uh, the other Thor movies like Thor 2 and even much more in Ragnarok where uh, uh, Thor has that great conversation with him in the elevator where Thor like kind of pours his heart out in a a very nonchalant way where he's just like I thought the world of you and he's like but you're you and I'm me and we're always going to be that way and and like Tom Hiddleston great again in that moment does a really good job of like showing a possibility of Loki uh kind of being honest with himself to that reaction of what Thor is saying Hmm. but still being unpredictable throughout the to the end of the movie um to the point where you know Thor has that moment. He's like, "If only you were here," and he throws and actually hits him, and lo- and it's like, "Oh, it's a brotherly moment." Anyways, um, <laughs> it, it's I, I I agree. Um, he needs to retain that unpredictability. He needs to be uh, he has to be to use a word from the show, a scamp. Um, <laughs> and I don't think the show ending in him being redeemed uh, is truthful to the character. Yeah, there is there not to we not to get into too many details, but there is sort of like a reminder of like, oh, Loki, look at all of these things you've done. When is the actual when was the mischief, though? You know, God of mischief, you know, call yourself what you will. But that's your old brand. And I'm not seeing a lot of a lot of mischief here in your ledger. And I think that something that this first show, this first episode definitely accomplishes is it is heavy on the mischief and light on the that outright destruction, which isn't right. to say that destruction is inherently a bad thing, but you can look at Loki and sort of point to it as even, or perhaps specifically because he is in this deeply unfamiliar environment that he has no point of reference for. He is being his most authentic self, not necessarily because he's being honest about his feelings, but because of what he ends up doing, right? He does end up getting into mischief and getting into trouble. That is, um, because of the the presence of the TVA and characters like Mobius and Mobius, it's not 
immediately outright, it's me, Loki, the villain. It's more sort of like, tee hee hee, it's me doing things I shouldn't be doing. Also by me, it's Loki. You know what I mean? It's that. Yeah, and, it's, and, more, and like, it's more in that trickster space. And some of that I think is possible, especially because we get to have Loki in a non-Asgardian space. There, I, there is no, mm. there is no uh, chance of him running up against you know Thor or Odin at this point, which are are triggering characters for him, or even any other the Asgardians or the Avengers. He's in his own space right now, at least in this first episode, which and and that you're talking about, like he he gets very mischievous. Because yeah, and it's, it's like in the absence of the other Asgardians, he becomes yes. his most Asgardian self. Almost like he, the, 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 if, if Asgardianness is light, we are not being blinded by too much of it. We're just looking specifically at Loki. And it's like, oh, you're doing that thing that everybody says that you do. I see it now. I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because Thor isn't there being like, I'm fat and depressed and throwing things around and drawing all the focus to me, as older siblings sometimes do. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a comic that that i'm reading uh with loki called vote for loki mm. um and uh, i wanted to read it because it looks like to be a bit where maybe the show might later on pull some uh reference from because we've seen that image uh from all the teaser images of like that uh loki in like the 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 jacket and the pin mm-hmm. and the vote mm-hmm. for loki kind of thing and i'm like well that's that looks directly like it's from this comic and the comic is a fantastic exploration of just mischievous loki because the loki that's in the comic is this new reincarnated loki that a lot of people who aren't reading the comics might not be aware of loki died and loki was actually reborn um on earth um and now he's like young loki and they've kind of aged him a little bit oh he uh, for a while he was like actually like a teenager but now he's like eh, like in his 20s um and the it's a short run series that's just all about what if loki ran for president um and it was like published around 2016 when that was the big buzz and everything of, of a presidential election all that kind of stuff uh but it's all just him being mischievous he's not he's not destroying you know sixth avenue and he's not uh trying to kill tony stark he's like using reporters to create stories for him and he's spinning uh speeches in a way and it's 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 prime loki and and I think that's what you you were talking about, like just seeing him in this, uh, just even this first episode. And what I think we'll see in the whole series is mischievous Loki, not uh, kneel before me, Loki, or I will cut your head off. It's like I'm the god of mischief, and this is what I'm good at. Which is yeah, fun. vote Loki. The, the series you're talking about, it's uh, Christopher Hastings and Langdon Foss's series, I think. And what I remember, I remember writing about it ages ago. And what really stuck with me is that. It is Loki using his, you know, his propensity for mischief um, specifically to manipulate people. Um, right. Something that a lot of a lot of people have been curious about, I think, about this show is um, how much of an exploration into the mechanics of like godhood for Asgardians works exactly. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, like what is what is what does it mean that the Asgardians are a, a race of super beings that humanity like prayed to as gods? And what Vote Loki really sort of did a good job of is illustrating how it's not so much about like um, the ways in which people worship Loki, but sort of like the way that Loki thrives in the mischief that can be made in humans' minds by meddling yeah. in their affairs. Um, and his meddling with the presidential election is just a reflection of his you know, his determination to go for the biggest prize of all at all times. And this, I think, has that same potential, um, not just in, you know, touching on elements um, story-wise and uh, visually from Vote Loki, but sort of getting at that idea um, in Loki's characterization, right? Like in this first episode, we do sort of see him reduced to his elemental mischievous and sort of like oh man like i'm i gotta sort of pick myself up for him and as the series goes forward i think there's a lot of potential to touch on a lot of these iconic versions of loki that show you more of what mischief can look like in its various forms so we've seen like i'm a little scamp in the office and breaking out of jail um because you know He's got to get out of jail. We've seen that kind of mischief. And I think as the series goes on, we're going to keep seeing it upped and upped and upped until it resembles what we're used to seeing from the movies, right? World domination. You know, I want to take over everything and kill everyone. And that's sort of like, yeah. oh, okay, you, you kind of jumped the shark at this point, but that's not mischief. That's annihilation. But the show can do a good job, I think, of addressing that dissonance, I think, that's been present in the movies, where in the movies... He's just the baddie in Avengers. He's like, I'm here to kill everyone. And it's like, bro, Jesus, 
calm down. Um, <laughs> but this, I think, has the chance to to show you more as to how um, how one gets to that level. I want to talk about something that uh, you brought up as a concern when we first discussed this uh, episode, and I want to see if you if you're in the same space. If you want to talk about that, that talk to me because Loki is d- the new Disney Plus series, mm. and it is their third one, and it's the one that I think most people could argue is based around one of the most established characters thus far, mm. and and already very much universally loved character from the movies and it's a re- there's a reason why loki was introduced in thor one and then was in like a ton of movies after that despite the <laughs> yeah. fact that he is a quote-unquote villain um not a lot of villains in marvel got to get to stay in a bunch of movies if you notice mm. um and so there's a chance for this show to turn out to be a little bit fan servicey which isn't a good or bad thing on on a, you know it's i think it's, i think there's a scale to there or there's yeah. a spectrum and i'm wondering if you feel the same way after watching this first episode as you did previously um i mean i think that fan like fan service is an important part of these things being successful right like a little bit of fan service never hurt anybody um it's like hey remember where these things came from it's like yeah we do remember thanks for pointing it out and you know turning it into this beautiful thing um that's great but obviously becoming super emotionally invested in fictional characters is only but so healthy. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to, you do have to become careful about it. Um, and I say this speaking specifically about, um, a lot of the hype that went into, um, the speculation and then the confirmation of Lady Loki being featured in the series, um, which is something that, I mean, it's it's like the Marvel has confirmed it. Um, they have talked about it um, as part of you know the premiere, um, which is really great. And people um, have assigned like a lot of import to how Loki ends up handling the idea of Loki being gender fluid, which is a concept that is very present in the books. Where Loki, as a mischievous person, is like, oh my god, gender is not just a construct, but a confine that is getting in the way of my mischief making. Let's go, you know, and that's very, it's very on brand and it's very, it's a very dynamic, fascinating part of who Loki is as a person. Um, and it's like, (laughs) it is the Loki show and there's going to be a lady Loki, but I, I'm always concerned as to whether or not people are getting their hopes all the way up for something that is going to disappoint them. Um, particularly when the, I don't know, particularly when a brand has a track record of not always being great about representation for these kinds of things. Um, I think there is a, like there, it's complicated, right? Sometimes you were sort of blindsided by an attempt at representation that you weren't expecting, as was the case, I think, in Avengers Endgame, where we got, you know, the Marvel's first gay character. Um, and it was just <laughs> like, okay, sure. Um, Hmm. <laughs> Try again. Yeah. Um, there, the, the, you know, there, there's a very particular uh, reaction that comes when an attempt is made that was not expected and the attempt was not great versus when an attempt is made after a lot of hype and buildup. Um, and then people have their, you know, people almost sort of have their feelings preset or sort of like pre-informed, which I don't know, it can be, it's, it's risky, you know, because art, I think you really have to, you have to process it after you've actually consumed it. I don't know. I, I, I've seen, I've seen the first two episodes and I'm very interested to hear how everyone, um, reacts to the events of episode two. Um, it's very similar to this episode, but also some wild stuff happens that really sort of lets you know, Oh, that, 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 that's what this show is about. I see, I see, I see. And I think it's going to, it's going to answer a lot of questions, but it's also going to raise quite a few. More. Yeah. Uh, is uh, to talk about, uh, Marvel's not so a uh, splendid track record of tackling these things. Like you think about like, you know, Valkyrie was supposed to be, you know, bisexual and they definitely cut around that so that that wasn't like confirmed in the movie at any point. Um, and that, that's just one of like multiple times where maybe they've dropped the ball. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, black widow's the first, uh, not the first, but, uh, uh, Captain Marvel was the first where they finally got a, a girl in it. And even uh, that was the lead of a, of a Marvel film. And, even that was like a bit fumbled over the line um, with how they dealt with everything around that. Um, so yeah, when there's like a gender fluid character that, you know, um, uh, is, is going to be a part of a show. I'm, I'm bracing for impact, but I am happy for an attempt at representation. Um, 
you can't know how well they do until we finally see it. Yeah, there are so many things to really like about this show. There's so much to look forward to. Um, like just looking at the first episode, like the creative team clearly has a lot of great ideas at work. Um, and a lot of them are pulled off really well. And I just really hope that the exploration of Lady Loki is one of those really great things about the show as the series goes on. Something I hope that they explain a little bit more that I, I think they alluded to in the show that I didn't realize until a, a day or two later was how they're dealing with um, how time uh, uh, divergences and variants work. Because mm. um, they talk about these, they talk about Loki as being this nexus event. Him get the Tesseract and going away was a nexus event. So something that I do think is useful to spoil and has something more to do with WandaVision than Loki, um, it's these nexus events um, that, you're, that you're talking about, which are um, a slight reworking of a bit of nifty but obscure comics lore about people known as nexus beings, people like Wanda Maximoff, um, whose powers enable them to alter probability on a universal scale, so much so that, you know, they... They're poking with timelines and messing things around. Um, other famous um, Nexus beings include certain versions of Franklin Richards of the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. and Jean Grey. You know how Jean Grey is. She wakes up, she yawns, she moves the timeline around. It all comes back. <laughs> um, but the way that Loki sort of reworks this idea is that um, Nexus events are these specific events um, that can either be big, like grabbing the Tesseract, or small, like you don't go to work on time the way that you're supposed to. And that action, because of the cascading effects that it has runs the risk of um, uh, the Nexus event becoming so big that the timeline uh, is broken and branched. Um, something that the this first episode treats in a very cutesy kind of way through um, a little animated video, um, but is a revisiting of the idea that was established in Avengers Endgame when the Ancient One was uh, showing, I think it was the Hulk, Um, showing him like, oh, like this is why we don't mess with time like that. Like it's not safe. Um, And this um, Loki, it's 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 I think that something that I really ended up liking about the show is how it is taking these sort of big like, oh, no, you mustn't mess with the timeline. And it turns it into like, oh, yeah, this is this thing that we wish you wouldn't do. So there's an office that deals with it. You seem to have run afoul of them. So now you're here. Um, that kind of like bringing down of the grand is a good way to like kick something like this off. Yeah, it, it's they 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 talk about how like they have to mind the timeline to make sure that they it doesn't the, these events don't reach uh, you know a a nexus point, and so if they do that, they need to like destroy that branch with these little bombs that they have otherwise they create a multiverse that leads to madness on a (laughs) on a multiversal scale as the as the episode explains which obviously feels like very heavy-handed allusion to dr strange in the multiverse of madness yeah it's 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 something that they uh they they kind of explained a little bit in this uh one of the age of old the, the age of ultron comic series not the movie which didn't have a ton to do with the actual age of ultron comic series that happened a, a, a few years ago um but in that series they introduced this kind of new way of looking at time because we've always looked at time from like the butterfly effect where it's like every single thing you do causes a variation in the time which if you were to apply that to this show, it would seem like, well, the TVA needs to be a, even bigger than they are. Or there's just, there, there would be no way for them to reasonably right. handle everything. Yeah. But instead, they kind of look at a new theory. They introduce this new theory of how to look at time where time is more malleable and more uh, uh, elastic is the word. And yeah, there's a, there's, a little bit, there's a little bit of wiggle room. And the, there's the epi- give and take. The episode explains how, like, once you make the decision, you've created a nexus event and you've got a little bit of time before it gets out of hand. And that's when the timeline branches off and it becomes a problem. But up until yeah. then, there's, you know, a little window. The TVA shows up. No, no, that's the, that's them right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it's, I, 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 I like it. I, I'm, I'm a fan of time travel genre stuff and I, I do like it when the time travel shows and movies do take a moment to address the fact that they, they are, they're aware that we're doing time travel and that can get wonky. Like they do it in even, uh, end game 
where like they're having that argument in the room about like is this terminator time travel or back to the future time travel and hulk explains it in a way in a very complicated way but a way that does make sense mm. um they did also in looper where uh ryan johnson wrote in into the script a moment where you know the two bruce willis's are talking to each other and um you know they kind of had this conversation about like we can talk about how time travel works all day long in the in the end this is what we're doing right now and this is what's happening so it's kind of like a uh this uh, you know it's when these these shows go like listen audience we can either have this argument for forever or just come along for the ride and if we make a good show at the end of it you can be the judge of whether you enjoyed yourself is there anything else we wanted to talk about with uh the new show no i don't think so i think we're good You talked about like where you wanted to see, uh, where you didn't want to see Loki at the end of this. Where mm. I, I know when we pre- we we first talked about the show, you weren't, you're not you're not super amazed by the show so far. You're not like super uh, surprised by it. And I'm curious if there's anything in your mind of something that that they could have done or still could do with the show that would cause you to be surprised or super excited about something new. I know with Wandavision, it accomplished that a bit more. Um, with this exploration of like trauma and the the love relationship between Wanda and Vision and all mm. that kind of stuff and and something in Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, was lacking in that. Um, my hope is Loki can be that kind of like a surprise thing. Um, I just don't know if like in your head you have an idea of where it could go or if that's part of being surprised that you just need them to be even smarter than you to then <laughs> make something that you're interested in. I, I, I think that what I'm really looking for in this show is hmm, I'm looking for a clean execution of the concept, right? Like I see this show as a puzzle, right? It's presenting itself, not necessarily as a mystery exactly. I think that you can sort of immediately see the larger shape of the picture that's being put together, but it's how it's all going to fit together that's going to end up really determining whether or not this show is um, like a success in terms of its story. I think that it's easy to pull out moments that stand out as being like really moving. Um, and there are really moving moments in this first episode, but as a full, like as a full, um, as a full unit of storytelling, I don't know, <laughs> we need, we need uh, common units of measurement for storytelling. Um, but as like a complete thing, what I'm really going to need to see is like how at the end, um, this all sort of wraps itself not into like a neat and tidy bow but it's sort of like oh wow like that's really what the loki show brought to this larger meta narrative that's Mm. present um i think that a lot of that is being done i think that these this first episode in particular is really front-loaded with a lot of lore more so than character development in yeah, a way you called it kind of piloty a little bit yeah and i think that i don't think that that's a bad thing you know no, no, no. I think, and i think a lot of, i think that getting a lot of that not necessarily out of the way but putting it front and center up top so that you understand when it pops up later on that yes it's here yes it's here yes that is an infinity stone don't 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 lose yourself right like focus focus on the matter <laughs> at hand which is this exploration of the TVA and Loki, right? Um, I think that now that we've seen a lot of flashy bits up top, um, the show has freed itself up to do a lot of the clever, mischievous work of making this more than a monster of the week um, slash police procedural slash, um, you know, Asgardian adventure. Now it can really sort of be like, Please come, come look closely at this um, at this very intricate story that has been told, and appreciate it for all of its craft. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm ready. I'm ready to see what's next. I think I think you nailed it. Even for me, of like in the end, even what would make me enjoy this show all the way through and and be amazed by it is they're they're doing what these previous Marvel shows have all done where they're presenting you with like, we're going to tackle something that is clearly big, heavy and, uh, involving characters that you have, you know, investment in. Um, and what will surprise me and make me and, and get me satisfied is if they can just land it at the end, um, with something that is, well executed, clean, like you're talking about, and and uh, leaves you know we, me with a feeling of satisfaction because even with like 
to compare it to previous iterations, even with WandaVision, they, they stumbled with the finale, you know, like it, the very end of the finale was still like interesting, you know? Um, but the actual finale itself was just like, oh, you were, you made a show and then you made a finale that had nothing to do with the show. Yeah. Um, and there's a, the, the, I think that what Loki has sort of built into it, both because of the character and because of the subject matter is an increased focus on detail, right? You know, he, Loki is a character who is always thinking multiple steps ahead, right? Uh, compared to everyone around him. Right. And is thinking about the fine details. And as much as these shows are textual explorations of the characters that they're about, they're also, I think, meant to be reflections of the kind of people that they are, which in my mind, I've <laughs> I've told myself, well, WandaVision was messy because Wanda's messy, but that's not to def- <laughs> that's not to <laughs> that's not to, to to defend the show. I do think that these shows are always much stronger when they do stick the landing, um, regardless of whether or not they end on the tone that you want them to. And that's just really what I want for Loki is for it to. I think that in getting it, and by I, I'm going to say right, but by right I mean in really just sort of like. Pulling off a hat trick, not necessarily one that surprises you, but one that's like, ah, look at you pulling a pulling a prestige. I see. I think that would be both really satisfying as a viewer, but also as someone who is watching this as like a a very sort of like big deep dive into Loki as a as a as a character, not just as like a person within these stories. It's that prestige that you get at the end of like a really good heist film where the character gets to finally reveal that they were in control the entire time and they planned for all this it's the it's it's the oceans 11 ending you know of like and i think that what this show was going for is not necessarily a aha it was me all along but more sort of a as i adapted to the situation that was unfolding i did even at the bottom of my you know confidence in myself i found the ability to really navigate this in a way that leaves me a much more fascinating person at the end of it well, they have five episodes to accomplish that, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just, you know, continually glad to see some more Marvel and to see some polished-looking Marvel, so I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Excited to watch more. That brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you liked what you heard, and we know you did, please be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss a single show. We've got new episodes coming out every Tuesday. And if there's a chance this was your first episode, first time checking us out, and you want to talk more about what we just discussed, you can check us out on social. Um, As you can tell, big big Loki fan myself, so I'm probably going to have plenty of uh, supplemental material being posted to at RealCanonPod on the socials, especially on Twitter. Um, I'd love to post some uh, some background stories on some of these characters introduced in the show, as well as talk about some of the source material that uh, I think they're going to pull from. Uh, have going to have some good discussions there. So come on by, say 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 your uh, say your hellos, and maybe even bring a friend with you. I'd love if you did that. Yeah. So get ready, get hyped, and we'll be back next week with more of the real canon. <laughs>